Community. Educational. Engaging. Opportunity. Inspiring. Successful. Thrive. The Cast. Hi all and welcome back to this episode of the Cast. The Cast is produced by students here at Washington State University Cougs Rise and is made for all you students out there. Our goal is to provide advice, guidance, and stories from guests that help you bridge the gap to your higher education goals. My name is Lauren. I am the communications assistant for Cougs Rise and your host for this season. Today's guest has an especially specific experience with higher education, previously working for the U.S. House of Representatives on the Education and Labor Committee. Can Alina Silva, welcome so much to the show. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> we are so glad to have you here today um, and hear all about your story. Before your time in Washington, D.C., tell me a little bit about your background and what led you to the passion of higher education. Yeah, I love to speak to that. So my name is Carolina Silva. My pronouns are she, so ella. And I actually moved to the United States when I was nine years old. So I very much came to this country with the idea that um, that I was here because I would have the opportunity to pursue higher education. And that's something that um, my parents instilled in me early on. So I knew uh, as soon as I got here that it was my job to do um, well as a student in order to be able to access these systems. And, um, and of course, take advantage of these opportunities. Um, this, of course, was a little bit more complicated, right, than um, than just going to higher education and just having that experience because I came here as an immigrant and then was an undocumented student. So I had to learn how to navigate things like the hard way um, just because there's not a lot of support that exists because there isn't national or federal resources available to undocumented students, especially in, in terms of student aid, right? Because my family, like a lot of families, are also low income. So um, having all, to face all those barriers is really what um, made me passionate about. Um, expanding access to higher education for other undocumented students as well as other students from vulnerable, vulnerable populations. Um, and ultimately, when I finished my PhD, I didn't want to just straight into teaching I wanted to get experience and policy so it was a perfect it was a perfect kind of um, win-win situation for me there was a fellowship opportunity with the American Educational Research Association um, and I knew that that's where what I wanted to do in order to get this direct experience but also a place where I could take my list experience to the table to um, hopefully cre- to create more more equitable education policy. That is, um, that's just such an incredible journey to discover your passions and um, how that lined up for you so clearly. Um, And, you know, that of course it led you uh, to Washington, D.C. I mean, that's just um, such a great way to, you know, begin your career. Um, I know when we originally spoke, you described moving to D.C. as a culture shock. Um, You said that it was just so different from, I guess, what you expected it to be in your head. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your first day on the job was like. Sure. <laughs> so my first day on the job after extensive interviews and emails and I think just being 
prepare for the culture of DC. It's very different. Like everywhere you go, everybody suited up. Everywhere you go, you need to have a business card. You need to be following up and sending emails to people. Well, my first day on the job, um, right? Well, I was already interviewed by the committee. I remember walking in and uh, I was supposed to have just like kind of a really chill orientation day, like read through policies, procedures, like get situated. But I remember walking into the uh, higher education suite. So it's like the office where all the higher ed team was. And the lead of that team, she's amazing. Her name is Kathy Baye. <laughs> she was like, are you Carolina? She's like, I need you right now. I need you to tell me if if people with TPS, temporary protective status, have access to Title IV services under like the Higher Education Act. And I was just like, hello. <laughs> so um, like, um, nice to meet you too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was like right into the job right there. Like we, we, we know you're, you know about immigration. And then mm-hmm. she like literally had two giant books in her hand of like legislative text, probably like a thousand pages at least. Yeah. And then she was like, "I'm going into a three-hour meeting. Can you sit at my desk and write me a memo?" That was it. Like those are all the instructions. <laughs> Talk about really getting so, thrown in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but then I found, you know, as, as much as I want to say, like, oh, it was just crazy, it was like a one-time thing, it was usually like that most of the time, like, they would just give you, like, two sentences, like, we need this, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? So then, yeah, I literally thought I had that and, like, put something together that kind of, you know, like, made sense. Um, but but I think that's also the, the work culture and not just DC but like working on Capitol Hill in particular everything is super quick there isn't a really good culture of like training mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. <laughs> very very holistically you very much learn on the job so yeah, yeah my first day was crazy yeah and you um, wrote an amendment as well at some point in your first week which is incredible I mean what did that feel like one diving you know mm-hmm. head first into you know the job in general but then being um assigned to write an amendment what was that like yeah i think that i think the amendment was my second day so then it was it was good kathy you know got back to me and said that what i wrote her was really helpful so then she was like i needed to write this amendment on like student loan forgiveness and I was like what first of all like I don't know anything about student loans right because I it was not minute I didn't have access to student loans but I knew it's such a relevant issue and that it impacts um, predominantly right, black and brown students in very particular ways so that's something that I really loved about my committee is that we looked at every part of education as an equity issue mm-hmm. so then she told me I want you to write this right um ask as if it was right like geared towards helping the folks who are the most impacted by it so i was able to kind of like look through the research and see how um right how that student debt um impacts predominantly like black borrowers right it, yeah. it impacts them in very different ways they have way less debt but they but they are the ones that usually have it for longer or are not able to pay it back or graduate with a degree but are um pay um right like shitty salaries for lack of a better word <laughs> excuse me but um yeah so it was, that was a really cool experience because i think i was able to really put um that knowledge into 
right into like action and writing in a in a really um, like direct way. It yeah. was excellent. It was actually in um, the amendment was sponsored by um, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, um, who was on our who was on our committee, and it was passed and it was passed with through the committee. So it's legislative text that would technically go on to the next version of the Higher Education Act when it is reauthorized. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, sometime soon. But yeah, that was a really cool experience because it was brand new. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations on that. I mean, I know, you know, previously had uh, done it, but still, you know, you, we, when we previously talked, I wanted to acknowledge your point about that being, you know, your main driving force is like making real change. Um, and you know, that is obviously a direct application of that. Um, also kind of touching back on uh you know your story that you just shared there i know that Mm -hmm. um, a huge part of this job for you was you know getting the ability to rub elbows with inspiring women in these positions of power um what was your experience like as a woman while working in dc and you know getting to meet all of these women yeah thanks thanks for touching on that it was very interesting because um I think first, firstly, as I was interviewing, it was really clear to see where the offices were or were not, um, right, like very male-dominated, yeah. which is, which is, I think, says a lot within the field of education, right, where it's a pre- predominantly like women-led field, like women are the practitioners, women are the teachers, but yeah, a lot of the administrators and the people in power are men. Um, so it was interesting to like interview in the Senate where I was inter- being interviewed by mostly men to then jump over to the house. And it was, this was the only, actually the only office I opening that there was in the house in education, but it was yeah. all women. My whole team was women. And as soon as I sat down with them, I was like, oh, okay, like this is, this is it. This is the team I want to be a part of. So I could tell like how um, passionate they were and also like very intense i will say like the mm-hmm. culture of my office was very intense because it's a committee which is different than a personal office um because we're really about pushing forward like good sound um policy solutions right like long term versus versus pushing like just the agenda of like a particular person mm-hmm. um but uh i really really love working specifically under the guidance of my mentor, Kathy Bayet, so she was the leader of the higher education team. She was one of the senior policy experts. Um, this is someone who's like worked with the Department of Education. This is someone who was invited to work under the Obama administration and declined. I was like, yes, Kathy, you better get it. But um, I just love that, you know, from the moment when I came in, she, she just kind of like saw a lot in me and was like, hey, do this do this mm-hmm. um, and I love that kind of mentoring I mean and then she did provide right more guidance that she was able to but I also understand she had so many people working un- under her and was juggling so many things so um, it was really inspiring to me yeah. around uh, such like amazing women and I think but at the same time I also felt a little bit like wow I wish I wish they had more support as well yeah um, right because they they I feel like as much as I didn't have, right, like the mentorship and guidance that I was supposed to available, I knew they didn't either. And I could see that um, they feel overworked in a lot of times because, right, they cared so much that they wanted to be there yeah, um, as much as they could. 
Yeah, I know that, um, you know, something else you also said, you you were really inspired by um, the fact that you were able to look up to these women um, in a way that I you said something along the lines of, um, I can look up to her because she looks like me. Um, and so I think that's a very important message just across the board for everyone to hear. How does that, you know, how did that impact you and how did that, you know, I don't want to say change your goals as if that wasn't a goal before, um, but mm-hmm. kind of, you know, push, push the drive in you. I think that, <laughs> I think that when, um, when we're working with someone, first of all, like just acknowledging that I was really lucky to be in the situation where I worked with other women of color, because that's not the case in a lot of offices. So I think that just made me want to do like, not just better because of the work, because um, it was so important and it's obviously that could impact, you know, millions of students, but also because, right, it's someone from like, my, also my community so I think I think it just it just it just drives it home for you because they're right it's not like I feel like someone who's like far removed from the struggles that students of color face or someone who's far removed from the struggles that immigrants face because that was really like my big um, focus on during my time with the committee but uh, of course because I respect Kathy like of course I wanted to do a good job and um and kind of and also like support her knowing that they were so like understaffed and knowing that they had so much on their plates I think they just made me want to do better um all around yeah yeah and I mean obviously um this is specific to your experience but I'm sure um you know women in all different industries and all different workforces have felt this in some way uh shape or form so when we talk about you know uplifting women for all from all backgrounds and how we can all do so much better what what's your take on that and what's your perspective for how to find hope in in that situation um, I think when you're in these positions of power, I think it's, it's really interesting because it can go a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think acknowledging, right, like for me, I was like, oh, like I actually have people who can relate to me, yeah. right? And the experience, like knowing what it's like to be in such a privileged position, having come from like a low income background or immigrant background. And I think that was awesome because there were times where we could have these really honest conversations and be vulnerable. Um, but I think at the same time, we also have to be, we also have to acknowledge where we were. Mm-hmm, um, and then the power dynamics, yeah, that existed. That it, and also that it, it's like really, I to say, but existed beyond our control. So we have to realize like, what is it that we can and cannot do with these roles? Yeah. Because we were limited and because this was like, you have like a certain amount of agency but at the end of the day like it's still the old white guy <laughs> who's like in majority who's like leading the things like who would decide like your bill is gonna go to the floor or it's not right so it's really interesting um i think it was like in one sense it was like really empowering to see uh women of color and like really young folks like mid late 20s um sometimes even early 20s be able to like push forward like craft and contribute to legislation that could impact so many students which is amazing right because it should be impacted by the people who are like close to it yeah. um yet 
there's still like a barrier there because for that legislation to get to the floor, it needs to go through like all the internal politics and people were really focused on at the time, you know, impeaching our president. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, like it, it, it's just interesting how all those dynamics played out. But yeah. in terms of finding hope, I think just like having the community, having like access to it and having those conversations, I think even was different with me there because even though um right like i was one of like three or four other latinas on the staff like i was the only one who's ever been undocumented i think i was the only one to come from like a different type of like working class background so even then i think it's important to acknowledge um acknowledge difference and acknowledge um and acknowledge different levels of of privilege you know like obviously all of us have privilege being there that we still right like just because we're Latina doesn't mean we have the same experience yeah exactly and I know that we spoke a lot about um you know instances where you were able to recognize privilege in your position and you shared a story um with me um from the fancy dining rooms um in the house and senate can you share that story today because i feel like your message there is so important yeah yeah for sure so we were um both the house and senate have like dining rooms um inside the capitol building and this is something I didn't even know of until like months into the fellowship. And then one of my friends from the Senate side like invited us to get fed. So we were like, sure, let's do it. I had no idea. Like you have to take a, make a reservation and all this stuff. And I swear we were like the most melatonin, mal- <laughs> mal- the most melanin that ever been in that room <laughs> because it was all white men over 50. And it was me and like three other, uh, right, let's Three Latino males. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just like fascinating to see. Like they, first of all, they were all looking at us. <laughs> like uh, not the people who worked there, but like the the Senate staffers. That's what we call them. And then um, the servers were like middle aged Latino women, and they were like super sweet, talking to us in Spanish. And I was like, that's where like socially, like I felt like we have so much more in common, right? Yeah. with these women because they're like we can relate to them like they remind us of folks like our parents and folks that we grew up with but then to think like oh but now we're here and now we're working with these white men who I feel like we've grown up to be so distanced from yeah. um, just by the matter of her privilege and I think and it was in a conversation with my friends there that we realized that they, they're like you know like just imagine like we're working right in Congress right now and are feeling our ceiling is the floor for our children yeah like that is so crazy for me to think like I never in my mind would have had thought right like that one I would have PhD and then two I'd work for Congress like having been undocumented being first generation so it's it's just crazy to me to think my children are going to have a lot of privilege (laughs) yeah I think that's just crazy you know to think about the things that um alter you know aspects even you know so early on in our lives already being able to acknowledge how different our you know our next generation's lives will be because of the things that we're doing right now you know um 
at the you know kickoff of kickoffs of our career. So I just really appreciate you sharing that story, um, and I think that that it it kind of you know it takes such an interesting perspective on um, privilege, which is such a heavy word, and you know so, so much of mm-hmm. what we hear and see. Um, but you know you just you know you take it down to uh, an experience one time you had over brunch, um, and you know still be able to. Uh, you know, dictate that in the same way. Um, So to students listening, I would just say that, you know, everything you're doing is paving a way for someone else behind you. And I think that that's really what's important is, you know, push yourself, reach your goals, and then realize that, you know, when you look back behind you, there will be a clear path for someone else to follow. Um, And I think that's incredible. So as far as um, all of your time and you know sharing your story and everything which thank you for thank you for just chatting with us uh today as we conclude our episode um do you have anything else tips wise that you want to share to any of our student listeners yes for sure um i think <laughs> I, for a long time I'll, i know just share this because i've been thinking about this a lot i think for a long time getting into higher education and getting to this thesis of privilege at first I was just I just felt lucky to be there I was like oh I'm just like happy to be here like I never even knew if I'd be with college like I never thought I could you know be a researcher and get a PhD yeah. but now that I look at it I'm like no don't be just be happy to be there like you deserve to be there yeah. you work for it you deserve to be there just as much if not more Right than other folks because it, especially like if you're a person from a marginalized background, you have to experience so many roadblocks and have to have to pass so many challenges to be there. So I'm like, so own it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like be proud, take up that space. Like you are so worthy. You're deserving, and they're lucky to have you. Um. So Definitely. I think just to remind yourself that. <laughs> um. And then another thing, I think. You know, if you have had people who haven't been so supportive of you in the past and haven't, like, maybe believed in you, I think that's where you get to prove them wrong and be your own biggest fan. I think I had no idea what I was doing, like, applying to, like, policy positions. Mm-hmm. I was applying to academics, policy jobs, nonprofits, all at the same time. I was just, like, you know, like, seeing, like, what what is it that I want to do? And I think, first of all, like, 2016, Catalina, like I would have never seen myself working for Congress. So when it came down to right, like where I was at at that moment in my life, finishing finishing graduate school at Washington State University, I just didn't feel like I was growing anymore. I didn't feel like I was um, I wanted to be in just higher ed. I still feel that way. I'm now leading my own profit for uh, on education that, you know, expands higher education access for all students regardless of immigration status. I love my job. Um, and I think, right, I couldn't have done that if I listened to people because I think a lot of everyone, like, yeah, even adults, even though I'm an adult, will say that. I'm like, it's your journey. You know, as much as you may feel pressured or you may feel like you want to, um, like, make people proud or you don't want to like disappoint them I'm like it's your journey you're gonna have to live with your choices every single day they're, they're they don't so even even though some of my faculty are like so surprised I didn't just want to go and teach and I just didn't want to like stay the research route mm-hmm. I did it I made my own path and I loved it because I learned so much I definitely learned I'm like policy is not or like DC is not for me not right now we do mm-hmm. not have like 
the right people in place. <laughs> I definitely like would see myself going back to that work later on. But I think right now I'm happy where I'm at. And then of course, I think I've like always done this and told myself this is because these systems are so scary and because these systems could be so familiar with them. I'm like, just fake it till you make it. Yeah. You're gonna learn on the job. Yeah. And I'm like, if old white men can do it, like I'm like, you can do it too. They just they just feel like um what's the word? Entitled mm-hmm. to those roles and entitled to those positions. And I'm like, and young people should feel the same way. Women should feel the same way. People of color should feel the same way because yeah. our voices deserve to be heard too much. Yeah. Well and you know, just different perspective brings better ideas you know I feel I feel like the more that you can bring people together to you know share and work on something to better together the uh, better your outcome is going to be and um, you know pushes yourself outside of your normal comfort roles as well which also you know just builds for growth Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show today Um, and I really appreciate you sharing all of these things and um, you know just kind of your daily dose of inspiration as far as your story and Mm -hmm. some of the things that you've already accomplished and you know sure that there will be many more here in the future. Um, I know that you have shared your Instagram and Twitter with us for any students who do want to get in touch or follow along your path. Um, I will leave um, your Instagram and Twitter at the description box of this episode um, just for anyone who does want to follow along um, or reach out in any way. And don't forget to follow us at Cougs Rise on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date on future tips, events, and more and more episodes. Um, So thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, it's been a pleasure to chat a little bit. And to everyone else listening, thank you for being here. And everyone have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you.